The smell of maple syrup is hard to describe. Um, it is a sweet smell, but the smell changes throughout season. As we start making darker syrup, the maple smell gets more pungent, but the flavor gets more pungent as well. A lot of it has to do with the weather and the heat. So maple sap has sugar in it. And as you get to warmer days, it'll start getting cloudy from bacteria and stuff in it. And as it goes, it just gets cloudier and cloudier and you just start making darker and darker syrup with it. My name is Matthew Emmerich and we're at Emmerich's Maple Products in southeastern Somerset County. I'm a sugar maker, maple producer or maple farmer, but we call ourselves sugar makers. In the morning, um, it, it looks a little thinner. It looks a little bit um, more um, translucent, I think, than um, in the afternoon. It's a little bit, it, it looks a little thicker. I'm not sure that it's necessarily thicker, but it's definitely um, more opaque. I don't get paid for donating milk. Um, it's all a volunteer, extra milk going to babies in need. So the milk bank collects donated milk from moms um, who typically produce more than they need. Um, they make sure that it is safe. Um, they test it multiple times, pasteurize it, um, and make sure it's the levels that it needs to be to go to hospitals. My name is Andrea Sholna, and I'm a school counselor at the Environmental Charter School. The healthcare field, you always, there's certain like stipulations as far as like portions and that kind of stuff. So they're only going to get a four ounce pork chop, whereas if you go to a restaurant, you might get like eight or ten ounces, you know, which is kind of excessive and they wonder why people are fat. So nice looking plate, very colorful, you know, because everybody eats with their eyes before you actually, actually eat it. You know. Hi, I'm Carly Penn. I'm the chef at Strabane Woods in Washington with UPMC Senior Communities. Hello, I'm Margaret J. Krause. And I'm Kevin C. Brown. And you're listening to Still Working, a show about how work shapes who we are and how we see the world. Our series was inspired by Chicago radio giant Studs Terkel and his book, Working. The subtitle is What People Do All Day and How They Feel About What They Do. That's exactly what we wanted to know for our time and in our region. Today, three Western Pennsylvanians who make food, a maple syrup producer, a chef, and a nursing mother who is also a school counselor. It's nothing fancy, but it'll get the job done. I'm in track maintenance for CSX. The crew I got, I'm a foreman. I got two guys that uh, operate two pieces of equipment we use to smooth the track with. The railroad's my day job and the maple surf's my second job, I guess is how you'd want to put it. Um, I work a regular shift, 7 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. You know, we can kind of plan a little bit. My father's retired from there. He had uh, 30 plus years. And when he retired, his life got better, and so did mine. <laughs> you know, he gathers and helps. He, he's retired, but he's still very much a, a large part of our operation and what we do. We have about 5,000 taps this year. Uh, most of our trees have one tap per tree. Uh, Acreage-wise, we probably have 
60 to 80 acres covered. My typical day is uh, the alarm clock goes off at 5. Um, I leave the house at 5.30. Um, I get here 6 o'clock. I come in. I open the back door, open up my office, turn the radio on first thing because I have to have music. Um, and then I usually start the bread um, for the bread of the day. Um, sometimes I'll check my emails or I'll just like to look at the menu and say, okay, well today, um, beef stroganoff, beef stroganoff. I'd have to start that at like 9.30 in the morning to make sure that meat's tender. So you kind of have to base it on what you're cooking as far as, you know, timing and that kind of stuff. How did you get here so early? Because I left John. Clara still had the covers over her head. <laughs> Petey was still asleep. I was like, all right, I'll see you this afternoon. <laughs> so yeah, no, he... He was running. So I wake up at 5.40 and um, shower, get ready, and wake up my son, who's nine months old. And then we wake up my um, three-year-old daughter. Um, my mom watches our kids, and so we drop the kids there, go to the environmental charter school, and um, I greet in the morning out at the front of the school. And so um, by 8 a.m. I try my absolute hardest to get outside um, and be ready to greet the students. And that is my first pause in the morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> morning. Morning. How was everything for you? Good? Number one. Oh, good. We get to come back tomorrow, right? When you are cooking in assisted living or even long-term care, you know the amount you're cooking for every day. So I know, like, I'm going to be working with 20 pounds of meat or 20 pounds of potatoes or 20 pounds of vegetables and that kind of stuff. Dermain Woods is an assisted living facility, so um, it's a long-term care with our residents that are here. Um, they might have specialty diets or, you know, levels of care. And I actually think their quality of life improves, you know, once they come here and they eat the good food and they gain weight and... You know, it makes a big difference. It really does. And like, I know the residents. I know their families. I know what they like, what they don't like. Whereas in the restaurant business, they're just kind of like a number on a check. You know, table 22 is getting filet mignon and lobster tail. Whereas here, I know Bill gets vanilla ice cream every single day, twice a day, you know. So you get to know, like, what they like and what they don't like. Breastfeeding is work. Um, number one, um, you want to make sure that you're healthy and that you are making sure that you eat enough to and drink enough to do it because I feel like you're always hungry and always thirsty. Um, but then um, there is so much um, preparation. There are materials involved, um, especially, you know, pumping. Um, at work, I pump in, it's like there's a small group room um, that's kind of like this back hallway in our school. And beyond that, um, it used to be just a restroom, but now it is our pump room. So there's a sign that um, says room in use so that no one comes in. And that's kind of our signal to each other um, for all of us that use the room um, when one of us is in here. So this is like the hands-free operation that I was talking about. Because I have to do this like anywhere I'm going. <laughs>
we're good. I generally produce six to 12 ounces extra a day. So on the weekends, I can tell based on what I pump in the mornings, um, how much extra I'm making, um, but I'm not sure how much I make in a 24 hour period. So if you're gonna make a gallon of syrup and it's taking you 55 gallons of sap to make one gallon of syrup, you gotta find a way to get rid of 54 gallons of water to get that one gallon of syrup. So this is a reverse osmosis. So what it does is it concentrates it, it pulls water out. So instead of boiling 54 gallons off to get one gallon of syrup, you only gotta boil about five or six gallons of the, of the concentrated sap to make one gallon of syrup. Got to get the air out of the line so that whenever the machine starts to draw, it got a full, full pipe of water. For maple sap to run, you need to freeze at night and to warm up during the day. So you need like a night about 25, 28 degrees, and then during the day, 38 to 40 is real ideal. Freezing, thawing conditions, it, that, that's syrup making weather. I'm always watching the weather. When it quits freezing, and we get, you know, whenever you go a week without freezing, sugar season's pretty well done. Um, and, but a normal season for us is to start about early to mid-February and go clear to the end of March. If you get real warm, like a day or two's not bad, but what'll happen is the trees will think it's spring and they'll, they'll change. And the chemistry in the sap will change and it starts to make off-flavored syrup or, or bad tasting syrup. I mean, the, the Lord controls the weather and if it's going to be a short crop, there ain't nothing I can do about it. You know, I, there's no reason to really get stressed out about it. My daughter was born four weeks early, and she went into the NICU um, because she, when I delivered her, she was in re respiratory distress. So she spent five days in the NICU, neonatal intensive care unit. The first few days, um, she didn't eat breast milk, but she was getting nutrition. Um, and so I started off pumping and um, was able to save that milk either for later or um, I gave that milk to someone else. When my son was born, we knew um, at the 20-week ultrasound that he had congenital heart disease. Um, so we knew um, that he would need open heart surgery within the first week of his life. Um, so bracing ourselves um, for that, I knew that I wouldn't be able to feed him and I would start pumping. Um, it was an incredible, incredibly terrifying experience, something that it really shapes um, our perspective now. And seeing he um, is an incredibly positive kid, um, always laughing, always just seems just so content and happy. And so I think that generally he's just such a reminder to us to kind of reframe, to, um, to think about things in a different way. We just have a completely different perspective and just this eternal gratitude that we'll never be able to repay. But if there's anything that we can do um, to funnel any kind of gratitude or, or love back to those families or that staff, we want to do it.
made. These are um, orange oatmeal butterscotch cookies, um, and I made diabetic orange butterscotch cookies. I le or left out the butterscotch chips, but I still did the oatmeal with the orange essence to it. Well, I'm in food service and healthcare. Um, it's a combination of both. Um, I look at it like healthcare um, because I do like the specialty diets of like mechanical softs and diabetic diets, and you know. Um, different things like that, low-sodium diets, uh, diverticulitis diets, um, things like that. Um, so, But I also think that I'm in food service because of the simple fact that I still cook for every day. When I was married to my ex-husband, we were both in the culinary field, so we were both in the restaurant business. You didn't have health care, you didn't have benefits, you didn't have vacation time and that kind of stuff. Well, we wanted to start a family, and I had got pregnant and I had my daughter, and I was like, we need the steady hours of like knowing what hours you're going to work. I've never thought of myself as part of the food system. Um, but it is a fact that I, that I am producing food um, for a baby that needs it. It's a blessing to be able to make um, enough milk and more milk for um, my baby because I think that I would be more aware if I was making less that it's part of the food system. You have to, you know, go out and buy formula you have to supplement. Claire, I don't think Dad heard about your day at school today. Um, um, I'm going to tell Dad why I save it for later. You're going to save it for later? Okay. <laughs> While we're eating dinner, maybe? No. Why? Maybe um, when it's Saturday. When it's Saturday? You'll tell me about school today? Okay. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> to wait a long There's time. There's something special that happened. <gasps> what happened at school today? Um, I was helper of the day. You were helper of the day. Whoa. Um, I intend to keep donating um, until they... Um, kind of cut you off at 15 months. So my hope is to continue to be able to um, give any extra milk. I don't intentionally produce extra. So if my supply, um, you know, just starts to decrease, that's okay. I'm not um, going to pump more to um, get more. And nursing, I generally imagine, you know, 16 to 18 months, but it will really be um, based on where we are um, at that time, and so it's hard to tell the timeline for nursing, too. <laughs> How are you, Louie Ann? I'm fine, thank you. Your hair looks nice. Thank you. <laughs> this one here, she's a character, but they're all, I like them all. I mean, there's, you know, they all are, the, the wealth of knowledge and the years they've lived. I mean, we've got three residents over the age of 100. Do you know what I mean? So, like, that's impressive, and it's because of my food. No, I'm kidding. It's not. I plan on being here till they kick me out, I guess. <laughs> Either that or I physically can't do it anymore. You know, get plenty of rest and I eat right and exercise. And But yeah, it is physically demanding. So God willing, if the good Lord lets my body hold out till I can retire from here, that's what I plan on doing, so. I've known Maple all my life. So even as a kid growing up, Maple's been in my blood. Um, I couldn't imagine going through spring and not smelling sap boiling on an evaporator or walking in the woods and, and tapping trees. It's a, a lot of hard work. There's a lot of miles put in, walking lines, tapping trees, 
a lot of late nights, a lot of lost sleep, but in the end, I still enjoy it all. Still working is me, Kevin C. Brown. And me, Margaret J. Krause. With funding help from the A.W. Mellon Educational and Charitable Trust Fund of the Pittsburgh Foundation. For more information, to hear other stories throughout the month, see photos, and subscribe to our iTunes or Google Play podcast feed, visit wesa.fm slash stillworking. Next time, people who know how to move. Thanks for listening to Still Working.